If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the hump day edition of The Yard, it seems like the week is just already just flying by for me. Maybe it is for you. Because that means we're one day closer to college baseball again, right? It was so much fun last weekend in Baton Rouge. I spoke about this a little bit on Monday's show. But, um, you know, it's been so long since we played baseball games it really felt like they matter. That's not to say anything negative about the uh, State Farm College Baseball Showdown because I think that was a great measuring stick for us. And I believe the Bulldogs measured up exceptionally well, especially considering that we were uh, without a couple of weekend starters. But um, be that as it may... It was great to go down there and renew an old rivalry and then get the better of them. I have had the opportunity, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. But on Tuesday, I had a chance to catch up with former Diamond Dog shortstop Ryan Gridley, former Bulldog center fielder Jacob Robson, and former Bulldog outfielder, mostly right fielder Elijah McNamee, you know him as Big Hit Mac, talk a little bit about Arkansas. And every one of those guys kind of gets back to, you know, like it's difficult for them to stay on topic because they're so excited about Mississippi State baseball. Yeah, you know, I get on the phone with Gridley and he's like, oh, you were down in Baton Rouge. How was it? I know those kids are so excited. and they're, they're just so jacked. You know, Elijah McNamee's like, you know, I never beat LSU. You know, so I know what a big deal it is for us to get those guys. And Jacob Robson's in spring training with the Detroit Tigers, and he's like, man, how's the team look right now? I've been kind of keeping up a little bit. It's like, so that's one of the things I'm so, so serious about. One of the phrases that I hate to read, and it really irks me. I mean, there's, there, I, as I've matured, there are some things that used to really bother me when I was younger that don't bother me today because you kind of figure out what's important. But there is one thing that some of you guys use and some in the media use, and I don't really care for it. It's when people say former Bulldog, former Bulldog Ryan Gridley, former Bulldog Elijah McNamee. Guys, there are no former Bulldogs. There are former Bulldog players, but there are no former Bulldogs. Because if you could have heard the glee in their voices as they spoke about Mississippi State taking two out of three from LSU and Alex Box Stadium, you would understand those guys are still very much Bulldogs. It's exciting to me to be in this position to be able to talk to these guys. As a matter of fact, I wrote a story about it. It's, uh, it's on Gene's page right now for free. It's called uh, Arkansas Bulldog Baseball Series with Arkansas has been feast or famine. So we're going to detail that a little bit later in the show. But I wanted to share with you guys, you know, just the exuberance from your former players, you know, about the big weekend win. Yeah, I've spoken to John Cohen. I've spoken to other people. And it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where when you win the first two and you can't close the deal on Sunday, it's like the worst thing in the world. It's like the worst feeling in the world because you understand how competitive the SEC is. And when you get a chance to go three games up instead of one game up, it really makes a difference. 
you know, if you're 3-0 and today after a road series, knowing that you have five winnable home series available to you, then all of a sudden you go on the road and you just got to avoid getting swept. And the truth of the matter is I look at this schedule and I think, you know, we have a really good chance to win two out of three in every series. The one that gives me a little bit of pause, of course, is Vanderbilt because they have been so dominant on the mound with their starting pitching and they've proven to be able to go deep into ball games. But I believe that we can match up when it comes to frontline pitching. Yep, Rocker and, and Leiter are outstanding. But so are Christian McLeod and so are Will Bednar. And so those ball games mold, may bowl down to two, one, three, two type ball games. And so whoever makes the first big mistake may lose. And I believe we're going to be able to get them on Sunday. And so you begin to think, okay, if I can find a way to win a game Friday, Saturday, I got a chance to steal this series on Sunday. And we have gone to Nashville and won a couple series. If you go back and look at the history here as of late, we've been able to go up there and actually play pretty well. I, I seem to recall a super regional back in 2018 when nobody gave us a chance we went up there and won that thing so there's so much of this that is yet to play out but we're not playing Vanderbilt this weekend we're playing Arkansas this weekend and hopefully before we get to Arkansas we're going to play North Alabama and so I say that to say this let's take a deep breath here and let's enjoy the season you know, for many of us, it's like it's, it's, it's almost like you know, when you play an old 80s video game, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you play and play and play. Like maybe you're playing Galaga or something, which I, I play regularly, but you play Galaga and you get up there and you're over 100,000 points and it's like you lose your third man and then you got to start over. And you just want to get back to where you were. That's kind of how it feels sometimes with some of our fans when it comes to Bulldog baseball. It's like, you know, we got so close, Steve, back in 18 for playing for national championship. You know, we were in the winner's bracket, and Oregon State had to beat us twice, and they did. And so then all 2019 comes along, and we're like, listen, we got to get back to Omaha. I mean, it's Omaha or bust, and I agree with that. But let's not rush through the season without taking a moment to kind of take it all in. Because it mean, to me, it means more to me this year, perhaps, than it ever has because of all that we lost last year. And you don't make that up. You don't. So let's take a deep breath. So you know what? We're going to worry about Vanderbilt when we get to Nashville. We're going to worry about playing Ole Miss when it gets Super Bulldog weekend. Right now, let's enjoy, hopefully, playing North Alabama and then getting together at Duty Noble Field with our biggest crowds of the season and playing Arkansas. Let's focus on that. And I say that for all of our collective mental health here, right? Because how many times do we get to the end of the year? You know, listen, we've never won a national championship, right? We can all agree on that. That's a factual statement. But we've had some great years in baseball. Now, I believe this team can contend. I believe this team will host a regional and probably be in a position to host a super regional if we take care of business. I think this is an Omaha team. And when you get to Omaha, you've got to have frontline pitch in order to win the thing. So I believe this team has what it takes to get to Omaha. And listen, I know there are some out there, listen, we have some fans in our fan base that are so incredibly insecure. It doesn't matter what we do or how we do it or how many points we score, they're going to find the one dark cloud and the clear blue skies. This is how it works. And we, that's not unique to Mississippi State. 
You know, we go down there and we beat a future first-rounder in Jaden Hill on Friday. We beat Landon Marceau, a guy that hadn't given up an earned run uh, since last season. And we're, and we're complaining about the offense. Guys, the game of baseball, sometimes it requires you to manufacture a couple runs without the benefit of a hit to win a pitcher's duel. That's exactly what we did. That's exactly what we did. Now, not everybody is going to have – you know, two Friday, Saturday guys like that. You know, Ole Miss has got great pitching. Vanderbilt's got great pitching. There are a lot of teams out there that just kind of have good pitching. Matter of fact, most of the league has good pitching once you get outside of Friday. We face some really good arms. Probably not going to see anybody as good as we saw uh, Friday, Saturday. And listen, Oltoff pitched, pitched really well all year. Tulane's record doesn't really reflect that, but he's had a great year. Luke Albright for Kent State's doing really well. And so those big arms are preparing us for the rest of the ride. And, and what's going to happen here in a few weeks is, you know, we're going to go beat up on somebody and people are going to see, oh, the offense is finally coming around. And there's going to be a little bit of truth to that. But the bigger fact is, is we're going to start seeing some arms that are just really good. They're not elite. And we get in deeper in the season, you'll see some guys that are elite. You know, Gunnar Hogland from Ole Miss – Probably one of the most elite pitchers in the conference. I mean, how could you argue against that? You get a little bit deeper into that rotation, it's not so elite. I would submit to you that this Arkansas rotation is not elite. You know, so we might put up some runs this weekend. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to contend with our pitching. I think we've got a great chance to win the series. But again, more about that later. But rather than worry about offense against Gunnar Hogland or Doug Nikhazy, if he's healthy by then, or against Kumar Rocker or against Leiter. Let's worry about our offense against North Alabama first. Then we'll worry about our offense against Arkansas. And as we get into Friday, we'll preview that Arkansas series and hopefully be talking about a Bulldog victory. Don't know if we're going to play or not, but we'll get into that again later in the show. I'll share with you what I have, have learned. One of the things that I have learned that I'm quite, quite certain of is that you're going to have a great quality meal at Bulldog Burger Company. Two great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go by, have the spring rolls. They'll make you better looking. I don't care what your friends tell you. It's science. It's true. You have spring rolls. You're better looking, and everybody that you see is better looking. Has that impact on you? Get that chocolate shake to go. That's one of the things everybody said, well, you know, I'm ready to go. I'd love to have dessert, but I'm ready to go. Well, you can take it with you at Bulldog Burger Company. And you get about halfway through that meal, just go ahead and let your server know, hey, listen, we're going to get a couple of chocolate shakes to go when you bring a check. So new items on the menu, as you were aware by now, the full of bologna burger that's loaded with protein, the grilled chicken club, and, and it's, it's a winner. And just so you guys know, Roy, Roy Samante, Roy Spotify Samante, had the tuna burger in Tupelo over the weekend. He goes, Steve, I can give it the Roy Samante thumbs up. Said it is absolutely delicious. Go by, check them out. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little football. How about that? Football, we forget sometimes. We get so caught up in everything else. Hey, it was baseball season and men's basketball still playing. We're three practices into spring football. We had a chance to speak with some players and coaches 
on Tuesday night. We'll get Mike Leach a little bit later in the week. So, Coach Phelps, Jeff Phelps, who I thought did a great job coaching last year. And I was a little bit worried about defensive line recruiting the early part of it, but it ended up going really well, right? All's well that ends well, right? We get Trevon Marshall. I think it's, I think he's a little bit of a developmental guy. You get Randy Charlton, transfer out of UCF. You get um, Dante Anderson. You get Ty Cooper. I mean, hey, you know, I, I think it, you look at the finished product and you say, you know what, hey, this is great. There were a lot of, of us, including myself at times, we were ready to, to judge uh, Jeff Phelps when it's, uh, you know, two minutes into the third quarter. But Jeff put together a good close, ended up getting a great class. I'm excited about that. Also gives me a little confidence in Jeff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what, maybe, maybe I just need to just pump the brakes a little bit and let the guy operate. Jeff says Randy Charlton actually working at defensive tackle, which is interesting to me. You know, he was a guy that was basically a weak side defensive end there at Central Florida. We, we signed him expecting to uh, to bring some pass rush. They're sliding him inside. They like the fact he's a quick twitch. They like the fact that he's a guy that can get in there and beat people on the interior, and he's got the size to be able to handle the rigors of interior line play in the Southeastern Conference. Now, the question that I would ask myself is, you know, is, is that what we need him? You know, Jeff knows better than I do, right? He knows his personnel. But when I began to think about Cam Young, and some of you have seen the pads popping video released by Hell State Marketing, and you see Cam Young and Dollar Bill out there locked up like a couple of horns on a mountain range, that stuff excites me, man. That really fires me up to see that stuff. I, Bob Shube told me right after Mississippi State signed Cam Young, he said, Steve, Cam Young is going to be the typical Mississippi State defensive line success story. So he's going to be a guy that's going to come in here with you know, a country-strong kid with a good work ethic that doesn't have a lot of refinement when it comes to skill set. He's not a guy that's going to know a lot of technique. He will develop over time. And then all of a sudden when he's a senior, everybody's going to be like, I mean, how did Mississippi State get this kid? You're beginning to see that forecast come to fruition. Cam Young played exceptionally well for State last year. You know, sometimes he had to get in there and play a lot of snaps because we were a little bit shorthanded on the interior after Nathan Pickering opted out. You know, and then we had some guys kind of get banged up, and there's Cam out there out there just, you know, laying people out. Cam Young is a rising star at Mississippi State. So you got Cam Young. You know what you've got in Jaden Crumity, who was our best interior defensive lineman last year, bar none, in my opinion. You may disagree. You might like Cam Young a little bit more. And then you throw Nathan Pickering back into the mix. Now, Nate's still kind of making up for some lost time. Okay, now he wasn't just sitting around playing video games. I mean, the guy opted out, but he continued to kind of work, you know, physically to kind of stay in shape. Uh, But, you know, Pickering comes back around, and, you know, you begin to look at these numbers, and you think, you know, hey, you know, we've got some depth on the interior. And the fact that we're willing to move Charlton to the interior tells me we feel pretty good about some of these ends that we have. Now, we know what we're going to get with, uh, you know, with Dante Anderson. You know, he's a guy that's going to be, you know, a seven-technique guy on third and 15. You put him out there and just say, son, go get the quarterback, and he will. And if you go watch this film, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. This is a guy that's got to get bigger and stronger before he's able to kind of line up in a five-technique and really, you know, take on an t- offensive tackle and a running play. But I think as a freshman, he's a guy that you can get out there in obvious pass rushing situations, just tell him to go tackle the quarterback, and he will. You know what you're getting in Ty Cooper? I know some people think he may slide inside, and you know he might. I kind of like him as a five-tech. I think he'll sit out there maybe as a uh, strong side defensive end. 
but you've got some reinforcements on the way. And then when you begin to factor in, you know, it looks like King Ani is actually beginning to make some uh, make some hay. And I, I'll be honest with you, I had some people tell me last year they didn't know if he'd ever play here. And so all of a sudden, if he's a guy that can come in and give you a few snaps there, maybe he gives you 15, 20 snaps a game, all of a sudden you've got value in that scholarship. We hadn't gotten anything from him so far. People forget, you know, he showed up on campus. He needed basically two major surgeries when he got here. And kid showed up, you know, with a good attitude, but, uh, but you know, he, he was kind of damaged goods. So you had to – you spend a year getting him healthy, and then last year you kind of spent him a year getting him acclimated, and now maybe he's able to contribute some. You know, maybe he's down a depth chart a little bit, but Phelps mentioned him as a guy that was really kind of a factor at defensive end. Now, you know what you've got in Jack Harris and Aaron Odom – both of those guys showed some flashes. And, you know, Aaron Odom was a guy, if you recall, there was a lot of anxiety and heartburn uh, invested uh, over Aaron Odom when he, quote, flipped to, uh, to Louisville. And I think the only people that thought that was real were the Louisville people and Ole Miss people. It wasn't real. But let's be honest, Aaron Odom has not lived up to his billing at this point. Did show some flashes last year. But when you look at that defensive end position, this is where, this is where it gets a little bit dicey. You feel good about the interior. You bring back Aaron and Jack that got second team reps last year. You put Ty Cooper in the mix there. You put, uh, you know, King Ani in the mix there. You put Dante Anderson in there. And so you begin to think, okay, we're young at the position, but we have some athleticism. You know, I wish we had some older guys there. I really do. I really, we really, we're really going to miss Kobe and Marquise from a leadership standpoint. But I trust Jeff Phelps. That defensive front last year, despite being shorthanded at times, was very, very good. And some of that is a product of the scheme. And so I'm not going to sit here and try to do Jeff Phelps' job for him. But it was encouraging to hear him speak and to kind of talk about how some of these things are kind of shaken up for us. Football talk is this time of year is exciting. I mean, it really is. I think a lot of it, too, is because I think most of us feel like we're going to take a step forward this year. I know we all hope that. I think most of us actually believe that. And I'll tell you, the reviews that I have gotten, I've spoken to, I guess, five assistant coaches now. It's like, hey, we're a much better-looking football team today. Much better-looking than we were even late last year. You know, we didn't get the benefit of spring practice last year. Tyson Brown done a great job. And that, everybody you speak to involved with Mississippi State football just speaks so glowingly at Tyson Brown. This is a guy that knows what he's doing. He's always on the cutting edge of things, workshops and things, talk to other people, always adding some things, kind of tweaking some things, making sure that he's getting the most out of his workouts for your football players. Multiple coaches tell me we're in better shape now than we were at any point last year. Guys made a lot of substantial gains in the weight room in January, February. Now they're out there making it all happen. That's why midnight maneuvers were so much better this year. Number one, we kind of knew what to expect. We understood what the standard was. But also, too, we're a bigger, faster, and stronger football team. Linebacker is one of those things, too, you look at and you begin to say, okay, all right, what are we going to do now that Errol Thompson's going? And that's a great question. Yeah, there was some. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. 
very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here. And you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Hope that Errol might reconsider and come on back. But uh, I don't know how realistic any of that was. I think Errol's a guy that's been in school forever, ready to get out and go make a little money. And listen, I think I don't. I think Errol's gonna get drafted too. Now Errol's not gonna be a guy that's gonna wow at the combine with the forty. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not gonna go out there and run a four four eight. He's not gonna be the talk of the combine like Montez Sweat was. But when you put the tape on, you see a guy that's always diagnosed and plays, always getting there, taking good pursuit angles. You know his film will speak better. His college production will speak better than maybe his testing numbers will. 
And I understand the NFL draft is an analytics game, but somebody out there is going to take a chance on Errol Thompson just because of the fact that he is just a good football player. Smart guy that won't get you, won't embarrass your franchise. I mean, you know, this is just one of those guys you look at and say, you know what, I want this guy on my team. I want this guy out there making tackles for me. I want this guy out there making everybody around him better because that's who he is. So we're going to miss that from him this year. You know, Nathaniel Watson's a guy, and it's it's interesting too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real candid with you guys too. Nathaniel Watson wanted to play wide receiver in college. Even though he was committed to Mississippi State, he was still kind of out there talking to other schools and you're kind of curious to find out if they let him play wide receiver because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted the ball in his hands. There are a lot of people out there that could have told him, yeah, you can play wide receiver. And then a week into practice, I said, hey, listen, why don't you go with Coach So-and-so today and uh, just work with him and see how that fits. And the next thing you know, the wide receiver coach not returning your text. If you don't think it happens, you're kidding yourself. Happens all the time. I remember Russell Shepard. I'll chase this rabbit show here for a second. Russell Shepard was considered by many to be the number one quarterback in America. I put his film on, and I guess there was eight, nine, ten minutes of highlights, but he never threw the football. He's out there running his own read and running by people, and very impressive in what he does. Very hard to corral in the open field. Could make anybody miss. Could cut on a dime, as they say. But he couldn't throw the football. Then we have him, I guess, I think it was the Under Armour game that year I was at, and there's Shepard out there, and they call him Shep. I guess he was committed to LSU. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, Shep's going to do this, and Shep's going to do that, and Shep couldn't throw the ball out of bounds. He was awful. He was absolutely awful. LSU recruited him, told him that he was going to be a quarterback. That's the same year they signed Chris Garrett, you may recall, out of Tupelo. Russell Shepard spent one day of practice at quarterback. One day. And it's, I get so tickled, you know, some people get on the message boards and say, oh, everybody else is recruiting him as this. Guys, he can't throw the football. Unless he's going to go play at Army or Navy and run a triple option, you got to be able to throw the football. And so when you hear and see these things, kind of understand there is some gamesmanship behind all this. Sometimes you tell people what they want to hear, until you get them there. Is that disingenuous? Absolutely it is. But sometimes, especially when it comes to certain athletes, I mean, you got you, you get to say, listen, we think that you're this, but you know what? Come prove us wrong. We'll give you an opportunity to go work at receiver. If it doesn't work out, we'll go play linebacker. You agree with that? Okay, get coach. I just want a chance. Okay, cool. Go out there and run the post. Okay, you dropped it. Okay, let's go on over here with linebackers. That's how it works. I mean, and you're just kidding yourself if you think it's that's that wasn't the plan all along. This is how it all happens. And then with a transfer portal, maybe people have to be a little more honest, but we'll see. But Nathaniel Watson really wanted to play wide receiver because he liked being impactful in the ball game. It wasn't that he was greedy or selfish. Just, you know, he, he, he enjoyed playing wide receiver. He enjoyed getting in the end zone. Of course, he wasn't fast enough to play wide receiver in this league and a little bit too bulky. Not quite quick twitch enough, as they say. And so Buki gets here. And I remember reading the reviews, you know, it's like, that's, I, I laugh at this stuff too. It's like, if I didn't go to practice, I wouldn't know any better, right? And so right now we're locked out, so we're kind of dependent on secondhand reports. But I, you know, I read all these glowing reports about how Watson's looked in practice, practices that I attended when he was a freshman. 
And there were times, he, I mean, he, he couldn't even, didn't even know the drills. And so this is a guy that's an athlete kind of getting by on his athleticism. He had to learn to be a linebacker. And I know some people were saying, oh, he's probably going to play as a true freshman. There was no chance of him playing as a true freshman, and that wasn't fair to him. But you know what? Now that he's had a couple of years to learn the position, learn the nuances of playing linebacker, all of a sudden now we've got something. You know, he was a developmental guy. You sign the athlete, and then you, you plug in play and put him in the right thing, and you teach him what you want him to know. You know, people forget. I mean, I'm look his numbers up right here. There were some games last year that uh, he was the leading tackler on this team. But it was always a work in progress. You know, it was never a thing you looked at and said, oh, yeah, this guy's definitely going to be a great linebacker. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Des Harris. You know, Des Harris is another guy that uh, you had never really played defense, had to kind of be talked into playing defense by Jeff Collins. That's kind of the same situation with Buki here. All right, so 2020 – so let's back up a second here. 2018, Nathaniel Watson – This is remember, this is the year that, uh, you know, some, some people were saying, oh, yeah, he'll play as a true freshman. He had three tackles. Three. So, okay, you had the red shirt year. You bring him back. 2019, two tackles. Then all of a sudden, you bring Zach Arnett in. He gets a, a new lease on life as a player in many respects. Now all of a sudden, he's got 38 tackles in a season. And you could tell last year he was playing with a lot more confidence. You could tell he was a guy that knew what he was doing. He was fast to the football and violent at times. Guys, we played Missouri – Bookie Watson had 13 tackles, 13 tackles. And, of course, that's after Errol Thompson got ejected for the game on that that targeting penalty. It was somewhat questionable. So he's got to go in there basically live without a net and kind of lead this defense, and he gets 13 tackles. Ole Miss, he has eight tackles. You know, this is a guy that – Remember, 2019 had two tackles. He made a tackle in every game this year. Didn't play a whole lot in the Armed Forces Bowl because Earl Thompson's back. And so my point being is that when he was given the opportunity to play some substantial snaps this year, played pretty well. But he wasn't this surefire linebacker prospect out of Maplesville, Alabama. That just wasn't what that wasn't who he was. This is about the development from your staff and his ability to commit to the process and work hard to get better. And so now all of a sudden, Arrow leaves, and you're like, okay, well, well, we've got a guy right here already that has played all three linebacker positions because he was you know, kind of the jackknife linebacker and he had to learn. And so that's the guy that I think you can be excited about. Probably will be the guy in the middle, I think, when it's all said and done. I know Deshaun Page was a guy that was kind of signed with those ideas in mind, but he's getting some some work at both Mike Backer and uh, out there on the strong side. But he's not a guy that's, you know, when you begin to kind of work this thing out, you know, he he's not going to be a Sam Backer. You know, he's played some strong side, played some weak side. You know, but, but again, you look at what Bookie Watson did, you bring Deshaun Page in, I think he'll be a little more productive earlier in his career because he is from a defensive background. 
but I think you can start to feel a little bit optimistic about the linebacker position. You know what you got with Aaron Brule. No question there. One of the best pass rushers in the, in the nation. And so now all of a sudden you begin to think, okay, well, Watson – you know, Watson showed some real flashes last year. He's willing to get in there and put his nose in there and stick somebody. So I think we have reached a point where we can feel pretty comfortable about Bookie Watson. Guy's going to play a football for us. You got Jet Johnson out there. He's another guy, too. Probably needs to make a jump this year, right? You know, Jet's a guy that played sparingly 2019, played a little bit last year on special teams, was able to get some, some action out there in some ball games last year. Need him to step up this year. Really do need, need him to live up to his potential. But for some guys, it takes a little while, just like we see with Watson. It took a little while to kind of get him going. And then Jet and, and Buki were classmates. So that front seven, if we can shore up those defensive ends, I think we can feel really good about that. Now looking at the secondary – had a conversation on Tuesday night. The Cambriana Richardson looks to be the solid number three at corner right now. You know what you got with Martin Emerson. You know what you got with Emmanuel Forbes. And everybody says, well, you know, Steve, we don't really have any depth. And it's true. But you're beginning to see the depth kind of be built behind them. The Cambriana Richardson is a freak of an athlete. He's a lot like Emmanuel Forbes and actually probably a little bit thicker. So when I hear that the light is coming on for him. That's exciting to me. Because when I think about what Darcel McBath did last year, you lose Jerry and Jones, and some, and, and some people would say, well, you know, Steve, that was okay. He, he wasn't very good. You know, how much better would he have been if he'd have been with the same university and the same teammates for two years? You don't think that would have made a difference? I believe that it would have. You have one year here, then you leave and you go to Florida State and you got to start over with a new staff, a new scheme, new teammates. Not to mention, look at the jump that Martin Emerson made last year. You know, you don't think Jerry and Jones could have been at least, you know, 70% of that? He may not have been as good as Martin, but to, to think that he would not have improved is a little bit short-sighted and probably a little bit sour grape. You know, Jerry and Jones thought there as a true freshman. The guy got out there and competed with a broken hand. The guy said, you know, he's tough. He wanted to win. Things didn't go well, which led to his ultimate departure. But you lose Jerry and Jones. Then you, you decide to go with Isaiah Furge, and that didn't work out. And Furge is a guy, too, that's very competitive. He'll probably be the number two on the other side. But, you know, we started him, and uh, he, we had some busts, which allowed, opened the door for Forbes, and then he ended up just taking it, taking it and running with it, and uh, running with that turnover chain all the way to the end zone. Put a handful of pick sixes in the, on the books for you. He's already tied the school record in pick sixes. And so so when I hear DeCambrian and Richardson is stepping up, now all of a sudden I think, okay, I know that I got two All-Americans on the front team. I got a serviceable guy in Furge on the second. Now all of a sudden I'm rounding this thing into form and I got DeCambrian and Richardson, a guy that we believe we absolutely stole late two years ago. Now, all of a sudden, I don't enter the, enter the fall thinking, okay, we got to build a depth chart. I think it's already there. Now it's about just kind of refining it and, and kind of getting some guys behind him. You know, Jalen Reed's a guy that, you know, we signed. You know, we dropped him. We signed him. Uh, he's been basically a solid special teams guy for us. Hadn't played a whole lot. You know, maybe he ends up being, you know, a depth guy or a career special teams guy. I don't know. 
you know, we'll see. And I hate it because I really like Jalen Reed. But, again, it's in the Boy Scouts, right? I mean, it's not like, oh, well, let's get this kid a chance because I like him. You know, you got to go out there and produce. So I'm not as worried about corner right now that I was last year. Because let's just be honest, going into last year, the only guy we had that we thought we could count on was Martin Emerson. Because you remember Tyler Williams quit. I mean, we can put whatever label on it we want, but he quit. And so you lose Tyler Williams, you lose Jerry and Jones, and then you're basically forced to play a career special teams guy and uh, a freshman opposite Martin Emerson. Martin Emerson played more defensive snaps than anybody on the Mississippi State football team last year. You know, maybe we don't give up a touchdown against Auburn if he's able to get a, a blow earlier in the ballgame. I don't know. You know, he also should have been in cloud there instead of being impressed, but, you know, I digress. But my point being is that our depth at corner in the spring is better than it was in the fall last year. So we're ahead of the game there. Then you begin to think about safety, and you listen. I keep hearing that Jalen Green is an absolute freak, and I laugh. Be honest with you, I laugh at some of these people that say, "Oh, you know, Jalen Green live up to the hype." You know, sometimes guys just need another situation. Sometimes you need a reset. Jalen Green's getting that here. He also was with the coach who recruited him in Texas, in Jason Washington. You think Jason Washington would have went out there and got that kid if he didn't believe he could play? You don't think Jason Washington still has friends in Texas that can say, listen, hey, Jason, we, we missed on this kid. He's an absolute turd. You don't think that, that that information would be available to Jason Washington? Of course it would be. You go out and get Jalen Green because you know what he can be. You know, and maybe, he, maybe he's underutilized there. Maybe he is unhappy there. Maybe he and that, the position coach don't get along the way he and Jason did. I don't know. But I can tell you the returns on him from spring have been really good so far. They tell me that he absolutely just exploded in midnight maneuvers. And that he was a guy that really worked hard. And kind of unfamiliar with the drills in the beginning, but as this thing began to wear on, he became one of the guys that people looked at and said, hey, that, that's a guy to watch. That excites me. Colin Duncan got better as the year went on last year. I think we can all agree to that. You know, Colin Duncan was a guy a lot of people kind of questioned Mississippi State signing in the first place. Thought he might be a G5 guy. I don't believe that. I think he's another guy, too, that his best football is ahead of him. Fred Peters, of course, uh, kind of working back through. Mike Leach told us last week there's nobody that was out. There are some guys that are limited. They're going to be careful with Fred. You know, Fred's got a chance to play the nickel again. You know, Fred comes back 100% healthy. I think we know what we got in Fred Peters. And that excites me. Dylan Lawrence, another guy rounding back in the shape. And C.J. Morgan, I don't know how much that guy's going to play. It's a very massive knee injury he suffered against the University of Alabama back in 2019. And the fact that it's taken him over a year to get back into any kind of practice shape says a lot about how detrimental that injury was to his career. He's a guy that really benefits from getting this extra year, and I really hope that he has a chance to contribute. There are a lot of guys on our team that are good dudes. C.J. Morgan is among the best. Really hopeful things work out for him. I remember going over and watching him play in high school. Drove over to Shreveport, watched him play in the Jamboree. It was packed, and he was a star among stars. Did a great job. 
And so when I look at this defense, and one of the reasons I didn't want to talk about offense today is because I, I, I think we all pretty, pretty much know how the offense is going to shape up, right? Outside of a couple of guard positions, I think we know how the offense is going to go. We know who the quarterback is. We know who the running backs are, the wide receivers. I will tell you that I've got some very good news about Makai Polk. A lot of, a lot of people talking big about him. Dave Nickel told us that uh, Jaden Wiley is taking a jump. That you know, Jaden Wiley's a guy too that kind of understands that you know consistency is the key. He's getting there. A lot of talk, of course, about this offensive line. Well, what are we going to do? We feel like we're in good shape at the tackle positions, right? I'm told that LaQuinston Sharp is a different person this year than he was last year. And I think some of that, too, is because he knows he has a real opportunity to start this year. You know, last year, you, you, know, you moved Greg Allen, left guard. You had Darian Parker, a guy that, uh, you know, basically played every snap of the year last year, except when you know, we called off the dogs or whatever. But LaQuinston Sharp is the guy that's basically got a free senior year. And I'm told that he is a different person this year. And so that takes one of those guard spots up. Don't know if it's left or right. Don't know how Mason Miller wants to handle that. So then that would leave you basically one spot and then kind of filling out your two deep. And some people always say, well, you know, we'll see what about Scott Lashley. You know, Scott's still not back. You know, he's still not 100%. And so they're being careful with him. You know, but I just don't know what to expect from him at this point. Is he anything more than a solid two deeper? I just don't know. But I do think that we've got some guys there to comply. And LaQuinston Sharp, not the tallest guy, but he's got long arms. Got a good wingspan, can keep people away from him. He can kind of cover the gap between he and the tackle out there. But, you know, most of our questions as a football team are on defense. And so I thought, you know what, you guys might want to hear some defensive talk. And so I talked to a few people and said, hey, listen, how's it look? You know, you know we're off the record, of course. I'm just curious. How does this guy look? How does that guy look? Who stood out in practice? And so when I hear these things, especially about linebackers, I get excited. When I hear these things at corner, I get excited. You know, when I hear this about Jalen Green, I get excited. When I hear about defensive ends, I kind of hold my breath a little bit. When I hear about the interior defensive line play, I think, you know what, it's time to get excited. But I think really the, the storyline at this point for us, really as a football team, is what are we going to do at the defensive end position to, to generate some pass rush? To me, that is the one question we have to answer between now and opening day. I think we're going to be much better offensively. I think we're going to be really good at backer. I think we're going to be really good in the secondary. What are we going to do at defensive end? And listen, there were some times last year we struggled to generate a pass rush unless we brought a blitz. And listen, Zach Arnett's a blitz-happy, uh, you know, tactician out there. But there are going to be sometimes you, you know, you're going to want to drop, you know, seven or eight guys into coverage and, and kind of get some pressure from your front. We kind of struggled to do that last year, especially after Marquis Spencer went down. So that's the question at this point that Phelps and Arnett have to figure out. Who can we put on the field that can play the run and generate a pass rush? So, to me, that's the really the, the biggest question about this football team as we uh, get ready to, to finish up spring practice here in a few weeks. All right, time for the top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber. You guys have heard me talk about Doc several times. He's a bulldog through and through. 
known him a long time matter of fact i got a bulldog from him how about that exciting times and so if you're a person that struggles with ear nose and throat problems you got your answer today dr yarborough is part of a great group of physicians called the ent physicians of north mississippi he is a guy that uh, knows what he's doing. He's not some fly-by-night doctor that, uh, you know, is just trying to get you to come by and say hello so he can write you a script. He's trying to make your life better. So if you're dealing with pressure, pain around your eyes, kind of have a chronic stopped-up nose, like you have this allergy problem that never seems to go away, let the folks at ENT take care of you. Dr. Yarber, practicing out of Starkville and Tupelo. Let me give you the, let me give you the digits here, okay? If you're struggling with all this, stop trying to treat it yourself with over-the-counter medication. Get a solution once and for all and improve the quality of your life. The number to call is 662-844-6513. Again, that's 662-844-6513. That's 910 Stark Road in Stark Vegas and 618 Pegram Drive there in Tupelo. And if you're in Starkville and you have to have a uh, you know, minor surgical procedure, it's going to be right here at OCH. It's a county-owned hospital. So Dr. Yarborough kind of feeding it back to our community. Again, that's Dr. Robert Yarborough of the ENT Physicians in North Mississippi. Top 10 list today, and I went through this and I said, surely I've done this one. Roy says I haven't. We've done the inventory, and I'm trusting Roy to keep up with it. You know, as we go, I went through and went through all those months and months of shows. Roy came aboard in October, so I went back. I want to give Gordon Griffin a little bit of a shout-out. Gordon Griffin went through the first couple of months and uh, did some top 10 Spotify lists for me. And so I went behind Gordon, not really realizing how many of those early top 10 lists were like movies and TV shows and, you know, cartoons and all that kind of stuff and dinosaurs and things of that nature. So we didn't do quite as much music in the early months of the top 10 list. And so I appreciate Gordon for his contributions and uh, kind of getting that together. But I went back and I went from March all the way to October and put that list together and gave it to Roy. And so I checked with him today. I said, listen, have we done Alice in Chains? Surely we've done Alice in Chains. Roy Jackson says, no, we haven't done Alice in Chains. In my heart, I feel like we have. But in my head, I said, you know what? I'm going to trust Roy. And if we haven't, if we have done Alice in Chains, it won't hurt for us to do them again. Uh, there's a couple things I want to say about Alice in Chains before we get started. Alice in Chains kind of entered my life. The album Dirt, which was their second album, really kind of entered my life like when I first really got sober. You know, I, I had the uh, facelift album in high school, you know, with, uh, you know, everybody saw Man in a Box on MTV and everybody thought, man, these guys are super scary. I absolutely loved them. thought they were great. And so after I got, you know, out of treatment and, uh, you know, paid all my debts to society, you know, the album Dirt came out, and it was a real game changer for me. I mean, it really was, because the, you know, I had so much disillusion in life that some of their music kind of mirrored that. And there's a lot of recovery talk on that album. There's a lot of uh, you know drug culture talk on that album. And so it kind of resonated with me. I was like, you know what? These guys kind of get it. They can, These guys kind of get where I'm coming from. There's kind of like some commonality in these experiences. And so, so I fell in love with Alice in Chains. And uh, went back and got the facelift album again. You know, my original copy was lost in the sands of time. And um, then went back and got Sap, which is the EP that kind of predated all that stuff. And so the Allison Chains 
catalog became kind of the soundtrack of my life for a while. And so I wanted to share some things today about them because uh, it's a very sad rock and roll story. Now, we're going to celebrate their music, but I think it's important to kind of understand that these individuals at that time were very, very sick. They were very, very sick. They were caught in the throes of addiction. Uh, Sean Kenny, the drummer, is probably the only one that has really had any semblance of a normal life. And he would probably argue against that. I think he, that's probably the lesser of the four evils. Uh, Jerry Cantrell, most of the lyrics that you guys are familiar with that many people attribute to Lane Staley were written by Jerry Cantrell. So a lot of that pain and misery and angst and longing and searching was really about Jerry Cantrell and his own problems with heroin. And then, of course, Lane Staley... Uh, had his own issues with drugs and heroin and cocaine. And Randy Starr, of course, ultimately lost his life to addiction. And the Lane Staley story is incredibly sad. You know, Lane, very, very talented guy. And uh, Lane had uh, who he believed to be the love of his life, a young lady by the name of Demery, who was an artist. And eventually, Lane Staley turned her on to heroin, and she died of an overdose. He never forgave himself. He went off the deep end. And when they found him, I guess he was about 80 or 90 pounds. He was just a frail shell of himself. And Randy Starr had gone over and tried to reason with him. And Randy found Lane in such bad condition that he threatened to call 911. And uh, Staley, of course, told him that, well, if you do, I'll never speak to you again. So he didn't make the call. And about two or three days later, Lane Staley was dead. And so Randy Starr never got over that. And ultimately, that drove him deeper into the abyss of addiction and we lost Randy as well. And so there are only two surviving members of Alice and Chains left. And so we're going to talk a little bit about their catalog today. I wanted to share that with you because um, I think it's important sometimes that we understand that a lot of this stuff is not just an act. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, that with auto-tune and, you know, 10,000 songwriters and that sort of stuff, that, you know, they, they put together a real polished package. But some people are the genuine article. And that was the case with Alice and Chains. And when they wrote a lot of their music, it was kind of in their own misery and their own search for meaning. And so a lot of these songs mean an awful lot to me. And so I approach this list with probably more respect than I do most, just because I discovered them at such a fragile time in my own life. So here are the honorable mentions, and there are several. I could probably just read the rest of the catalog. It didn't make the top ten and be okay with it. But um, we're going all the way back. Uh, Got Me Wrong is a great one off of uh, sap and angry chair i know some people are gonna think steve how could you not put it in the top 10 i thought it was kind of overplayed i love the song but uh not as great as some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about what the hell have i is probably one you're not quite as familiar with it's on the last action hero soundtrack which was one of the last great rock soundtracks uh down in a hole is a song that's been covered by just about everybody Rooster is another one that didn't make the top 10 that I know it's one of your favorites. I think it's probably the most listened to Alice in Chains song, which kind of saddens me a little bit because I think there's so many other songs that are better. And then there's The Real Thing off of Facelift. I, I love that one. I love the swing in it. I think you'll dig that one. And then again, it was kind of the first um, single off the album that is self-titled that is affectionately known as the Tripod album, which is a dog with three legs. And then Heaven Beside You was another one that um, 
Got a lot of airplay. So here are my top 10 Alice in Chains songs, and nine of the 10 are sung by Lane Staley. I had to get and uh, check my brain because I, I really dig that track, and I think that's really the only really great Alice in Chains song since uh, Lane's Untimely Passing. There are some really good ones. That's the best one in my mind in the post-Lane Staley era. And I just, to be honest with you, I can't bring myself to go see them. And, um, and, I, and maybe that's something i got to deal with. But uh, I, just, I just don't feel right about going to see them. It doesn't feel the same without Lane. Off of the Jar of Flies album, I actually have a Jar of Flies tattoo. It's a song called I Stay Away. I think it's some of the best vocal work that Lane Staley ever had. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of a reluctant passenger on the Jar of Flies bandwagon. There were a lot of people that were like, oh, this is so great. I really thought they were selling out at the time until I really gave the album a chance because I was like, you know, everybody's doing this unplugged thing and they're just kind of jumping on that bandwagon and these guys rock and why would they do that? And they're doing these power ballads. But man, Jar of Flies is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. I mean, it really, really is. I love that album. But I Stay Away, to, to me, it's just one of those songs that like, as soon as I hear those opening bars, I just think I know exactly where I'm at. Number eight off the Dirt album is uh, Rain When I Die. And I, I love the vocal on this one. I, I love the way Lane explodes on the chorus. It's also, too, the, uh, that wah pedal they use, because it's, it's like it's drop detuning, I believe. They, they drop it down a little bit. They're tuned way down. So you get that darker, more ominous sound. Number seven, another great song off of uh, Jar of Flies, and uh, really a really sad song in many respects. And I think if you've ever, if you've ever battled addiction or battled depression, or maybe you even contemplated suicide, and listen, if you have, let me encourage you to reach out and talk to somebody. But the song Nutshell kind of encapsulates a lot of those feelings. And uh, I think that's why it's called Nutshell. It's just one of those things where you just feel like you can't go on. And so I've been there, and many of you have as well. And so that song kind of stands out to me. Number six, off the Facelift album, uh, an absolute rockin' tune that um, probably doesn't make the, um, make the radio very often, but it's We Die Young. And it's, you know, it's, it's about addiction. It's about people in rock circles, people that live fast and die young. Number five, and this is a deep cut. And I, I, would, say, I would say the casual Alice in Chains fan probably has no clue about this song. But uh, I absolutely love it. And it's number five on my list, and it's Bleed the Freak. I love the way the song builds, and I love the way that uh, Lane really, really kind of attacks the song. It's like it's kind of restrained yelling. So we get into the top four here, and I think most people would agree these are the top four. I know some of you are going to say, Steve, I can't believe Rooster didn't make the list. Get over it. Number four is No Excuses, and that was the first single off the Jar of Flies album. No Excuses that I know. I love the vocal on that one too. Number three, it's got to be Them Bones. And from the, it's the, the opening track on side one. Of that Dirt album, and it just kind of sets a tone for the rest of the album. And one of the things I love about the Dirt album is it's just such a journey. That's the thing I think the kids miss out on today is everybody's got these single serving uh, Spotify and uh, iTunes music and that sort of stuff. But there is a journey that an album takes you on, and that's what I think Dirt does. I think it starts in a really dark place and it ends in a more positive place. 
at the end of the album. It, it is an absolute wild ride. And I think if it's just, if you're somebody that says, you know what, I just want to kind of kind of go get in a hole today, put your earbuds in, maybe close your eyes, turn lights out, and put on this dirt album, and it, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster for sure. Uh, but I think you're going to dig that. Number two, going back to the song that started it all, it's Man in the Box. And I love that tone. Oh, my gosh, Jerry Cantrell's guitar tone. It's like it was unlike anything else that was being played at the time. It's like I, I laugh when these people say, well, you know, Steve, uh, you know, the creators of the Seattle Sound, you know, were Nirvana and uh, Alice in Chains had sold millions of records before Nirvana even had a record deal. But I don't really consider Alice in Chains grunge. I know that sounds a little bit silly. I just, I, I, I just, I don't see them as a quote Seattle band. I just, I think that probably puts them in a box that that that, that doesn't fit. But the number one song for me, and uh, it is a song about recovery and addiction and relapse, and about uh, using partners and all that sort of stuff. But it's would if I would could you. It's like, I can quit, but if I can do that, could you do it too? And so there's like a partnership. And so I love that opening bars. I love how Randy Starr comes in, uh, plays the bass, really kind of brings you in. It's a very dark and ominous song in the beginning. And uh, the, the whole part about Into the Flood again, same old trip it was back then, that's all about relapse. And uh, I've read several interviews with Jerry Cantrell over the years where he talks about what he was dealing with at the time. And uh, he just, the guy simply couldn't stay clean at that point in his life. And he wrote a song about it. And it ended up being a song that I think is kind of a song of empowerment from people that, that struggle with addiction. And so that's my top 10 Alice in Chains uh, list. I know I went a little bit longer than normal on the top 10 list today, but it's because Alice in Chains is one of those bands that's so incredibly important to me. And there are some bands out there that uh, write these songs that are kind of uplifting. You know, but to me, when I listen to all this, it kind of reminds me of where I've been. And uh, listen, I know there there's so many other albums that have come out since then. And, you know, when Black Gives Way to Blue and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, where the dinosaurs uh, are and that sort of stuff. Where the dinosaurs are. I can't remember the name of the album. But uh, it's just not the same to me. I, I'm glad that we have had some new Alice in Chains music. So, so you younger folks can kind of uh, go back and learn more about that catalog. But uh, Alice in Chains is one of those bands to me that you just can't put a label on. They're just one of those bands that no matter what genre you try to kind of horn, you know, shoehorn them into, they're just bigger than that. They're just a great rock band that had an awful lot of problems. And unfortunately, there can't be any reunion because uh, you know two of the four you know, main members of the band uh, succumbed to addiction. And uh, it's incredible, too. You go back and, you know, like when Randy got, they kicked Randy out of the band after the, the Dirt album, and they hired uh, Mike Inez uh, from Ozzy. And ironically, Alice in Chains had opened for Ozzy on the No More Tours, No More Tears tour, and then they hired him away from Ozzy. And, um, and he's still with the band. So there you go, top 10 list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. We can turn those things around pretty quick now that we have a, uh, an inventory. You know, we're kind of we're not we're not chasing our tails anymore, uh, thanks to Roy. So find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. And uh, if I like your idea, I just might use it. We'll give you credit on the show. All right, so let's talk a little bit about 
Campus Bookmart. I will be at Campus Bookmart on Saturday from 10 to 12. So if you're in town for the Arkansas series and you have not picked up your copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, or Alpha Dogs, you can do that that day. You can come by and see me. I'll write whatever you want, whether it be a Father's Day gift, a belated Valentine's Day gift, or a Christmas gift for yourself. Maybe you wanted it and had it on your list. Maybe you'd been naughty. You didn't get it. You can come by Campus Bookmart, pick it up in person. We can visit for a minute. And you can meet Stan the Man. How about that? Campus Bookmart this Saturday, 10 to 2, right there in Stark Vegas. If you can't make it to town, you can order books. You can order Mississippi State merchandise, clothing, uh, decorative items, baby stuff, anything that you need. Miss Kathy Brown's already got it. And so find them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Let's talk a little basketball. Now, I'll be honest with you. You know, way back in November, I didn't think we'd still be talking about men's basketball at this point. I thought we might be talking about a coaching surge. I didn't think we'd still be playing basketball. I certainly didn't expect us to make the NCAA tournament. But no matter how we got there, the fact that we're still talking about men's basketball actually makes me a little bit happy. You know, on the women's side of things, I was just kind of ready for it to be over. And then just when I thought the men's basketball thing was over and all of a sudden you're like, wait, wait a minute, we made the NIT? We get to play again? All of a sudden I got excited. And I think a lot of you guys did too. I gave a lot of that credit to Ben Howland and his staff for kind of turning it around down the stretch. But there were some feelings that kind of got stirred up at me when I saw that video of Abdul Du talking about what it all meant. And I, saw, I thought to myself, man, how, man, I just wish this kid had one more game. Well, he's had that one game and he won it. And now he's so because he won that one, he gets another one. So they're going to take on the Richmond Spiders on Thursday. And uh, team's already back out there in Texas getting ready to go. Excited for this ball game. I hadn't always been able to say that. I hadn't always been able to say that. I mean, and I, listen, you guys that are regular listeners to the show, you understand that uh, there have been some times I've been really down and been hard on men's basketball. But uh, the way we've turned this thing around here late in the year, I'm beginning to have a little more belief. And now I'm hoping we win the basketball game. I'm not ready for it to be over. I know that sounds weird to say, and I thought I never thought we'd be talking about it, and also probably thinking, you know what, I'd be glad that we're done. I don't feel that way. You can say, Steve, it's just the NIT. It's true. But, man, I just think about, look at what it means to these players. And look at what it means for next year. We're getting this extra playing time. We're getting some more experience. Let me run down this uh, schedule. We did a little bit of this earlier in the, on, in the week, but uh, I won't waste a lot of time on this. But uh, uh, Richmond goes 14-8 and eight this year. They take down Moorhead State, and then they win at Kentucky. Win and Rupp in the second game of the year on ESPN 76-64. They went through a stretch there where they didn't play because they had some games canceled or postponed, shall we say. They take down our friends Wolford. They beat Northern Iowa by 10. They lose on the road at West Virginia uh, by 16. They bounced back and went at Vanderbilt 78-67. I think that's when we all kind of first realized that they were going to have some issues. Here's another big win. 
They beat Loyola Chicago 75-73. Turn right around, lose to Hofstra. They take down Davidson at Davidson 80-74. They lose at home to St. Bonaventure 69-66. The Underbonnies, of course, just played LSU in the NCAA tournament. They beat URI 80-73. They win at George Mason by 20. Uh, they they take down LaSalle at home by six. They go on the road. Excuse me. They lost that game. They go on the road and beat St. Joe. You guys are familiar with St. Joe. That, that, that they are a basketball school up there, to say the least. Then they went through another stretch where they had several games postponed due to COVID. They bounce back and take down St. Mary's 90-49. to They lose to Virginia Commonwealth. Beat Decanes. Beat UMass. They lose to St. Louis. Those are guys you should be familiar with. We just beat them ourselves. They lose at St. Louis 72-67. Then they lose to St. Joe's. They lose to Duquesne in the Atlantic 10 Championship uh, Tournament. And so when you begin to look at this thing, you say, okay, well, listen, they've got some big wins early, not so much late. They do make the NIT. They take down Toledo 76-66. Let's take a brief look at that, and we'll kind of move forward here. Uh, 76-66 winners. They're actually down at the half in that game by six and came back and then outscored uh, Toledo by 16 in the second half. Absolutely dominated the second half. Looking at these numbers for Richmond, uh, Jacob Gilliard played all 40 minutes, 18 points. Tyler Burton also pitched in 18 points. Uh, Nathan Ko 15 points. And then they get 10 off the bench from Soleimani Kurosai. I, I apologize, Soleimani, if I mispronounced the last name. But you get four guys in double digits, you're going to win most of those games. And then Matt Grace goes uh, eight points himself. Uh, Tyler Burton, 10 rebounds. So not a, necessarily a great team rebounding night. But Tyler Burton does a good job. They pulled down 34 total. Toledo pulled down 32, so just a, a net of two there. But uh, didn't exactly light it up from three-point line, did the Rockets of Toledo, just 6 of 26. And then uh, Richmond goes 8 of 20. They were 14 of 17 from the line. Didn't foul a whole lot, but they did get Nathan Ko out of the ball game. And, um, you know, so, you know, they had two guys foul out and still found a way to win the ball game. Pretty cool stuff. So this is, again, a game that I think we can win. Now, is this team capable of beating us? Well, yeah, anybody that's still playing in, in any tournament that you're in is capable of beating you. There's no there's no bad teams playing at this point. You know, we're not a great team either, but we're, we're at least above average and we're still having an opportunity to play. But when I look at this, I say, you know what? If I'm Ben Howland, all I have to do is point out to this team Hey, guys, they went on the road and beat Kentucky and Vanderbilt. We lost to both of those teams. We beat both of those teams, too. We split with them. So if they're capable of beating teams that have beaten us, they're capable of beating us. And so we shouldn't overlook anybody. Not that we could afford to with our record, but I think, I think for Ben Howland, this is a pretty easy message to convey. So this is a team that is certainly capable of beating us. We're going to have to bring our best effort. And so you begin to think, okay, well, what happens, you know, what happens if we win? You know, what, what, what's next for us? After all this craziness that has gone on this year, you have a chance to go have, you know, a pretty good experience somewhere. 
those are the things that you begin to look at and say you know what we just you know we just didn't need to have an opportunity here to to play you know we just wanted to be over with but you know if they're going to have this thing and invite us we might as well play as long as we can I hate these people with these pop-up ads. I'm sitting there trying to pull up some numbers for you guys. It drives me cr- crazy. And so the whole tournament this year is played in the uh, in Frisco, Texas. So there's not going to be the trip to Madison Square Garden that we ordinarily would have. And so that's a good and a bad thing. Okay, you don't have the incentive of saying, if we win this and we get to go to the Big Apple. But you get to keep playing. And just kind of look at this bracket. It's, uh, you know, I, I haven't updated this thing in a while. But, um, you know, on our side of the things, you begin to think, okay, you beat St. Louis, you beat Richmond. You know, can, can we get the Western Kentucky matchup? Can, can, can we get that to happen there in the semifinals? That, and that will be played March 27th. You know, so, like, we're going to play – Thursday, we win. We're going to go right back around and play on Saturday. If we win, we play on Sunday. So we got a chance to close this thing out this week, and um, it's a pretty cool thing, the fact that we're still playing. And so I hope you all feel the same way. I I hope that you're not ready for this thing to end because if they invited us and uh, our guys have gone out there and played, for no other reason, you have to just think about Abdul Adu, man. I mean, how cool would it be for him to have a chance to continue to play just for a few more games? And I've had some people tell me it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that he comes back. I don't expect it. But uh, I think maybe there was like some, you know, I don't know, but people kind of caught up in their feelings saying, you know what, maybe he'll come back. You know, we'll see. I don't expect it. But uh, he can. He can come back. But I also think Abdul Adu is going to have a chance to play basketball for a long time overseas. It makes some money because he is a rebounder and a shot blocker. If you're looking to make your move to the Golden Triangle, look no further than our friends at Portico. Portico, a new residential development right off Garrett Road. So if you're coming off 82 and you turn on 12, like going towards campus, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. That takes you right to Garrett Road. I mean, basically, it's just across Old West Point Road there. Behind the Chrysler Jeep dealership, very very easily to located to get to campus pardon me there just 1.1 miles from campus you could run to campus if you wanted to if you're so inclined uh, i think you're going to be happy over there two bedroom two baths four bedroom four bath they got a house that fits everybody whatever needs you have if you're looking for that game day getaway you can get it right there at portico and you know what you might be able to airbnb it when the weekends you don't use it There's always something going on around town. There's always something that brings people to campus. If if you're you're like me and you wanted to get to Starkville and stay, that's what I wanted. And I'm here until they put me in a nursing home. I mean, that's my approach. And so if you're like me and you want to be here and be a part of all this, Portico is the way to go. You need more information, you can reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. He's my friend, your friend, everybody's friend. Brooks, a great guy, played baseball here at Mississippi State, and I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever I can. And he is absolutely a Bulldog. He's here for everything. He's not just a baseball guy. Brooks Bryan is concerned about everything. And so if you want to do business with like-minded people, you call Brooks today, 601-416-8075. And listen, don't delay with this, okay? A lot of people say, you know, we've always wanted to do it. Just do it. Pick up the phone right now, 601-416-8075.
Do it today for yourself. Stop putting it off. And if you want to be in the first phase, you better move quickly. Only a handful of houses left in that first phase. And then they're going to begin construction on second phase, you know, here in a couple months. And so if you want to ensure that you go ahead and get settled and then you can be here for the summer, be here for the College World Series, whatever, you can go and do it now. And that way, too, you get things lined up. And maybe you don't want to move the kids until after the school year. That's cool, too. But, you know, you can go ahead and begin doing your due diligence now. You know, listen, it's already uh, March uh, 24th, right? So you, before you know it, in less than two months, kids are going to be out of school. And you're going to be ready to move. So make Portico your next move. All right, let's talk a little baseball. We mentioned North Alabama was set to play Mississippi State on Tuesday. They pushed the game back. And for the first time in forever, the uh, meteorologists at Mississippi State were wrong. We, we could have played the game, probably should have played the game. Now we're set to play on Wednesday. And listen, the forecast doesn't look great. Now, Mississippi State has announced that they're going to make a decision about first pitch by 10 a.m. tomorrow or today. So that way you guys want to all jump in the car, you know, after lunch and we'll come racing up here only to find out that we're going to play earlier or not going to play at all. So looking at the forecast that continues to kind of change hourly. So let me back up here. So there's not supposed to be the chances for rain have diminished tremendously uh, for Tuesday. Excuse me, Wednesday. I forget what day it is. I'm recording this today, and um, it's Wednesday. But looking at these, uh, it's clear in Starkville now. And so it was expected to rain most of the day. Now the rain's not supposed to start until around 8 p.m. So what that means is we may have an earlier start date, or by the time you guys hear this show, Maybe those chances for rain at 8 and 9 o'clock have somewhat diminished or have left our area. I won't be the least bit surprised if we don't move this thing up to 4 o'clock. That's kind of the Chris Lamona special in the midweek. You know, it's like, let's play at 4 and kind of get it in. So be advised, kind of be weather aware, and kind of be kind of keep up with what's going on with your Mississippi State social media. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are not employed by the university. They're involved in these Facebook groups that do a great job kind of communicating information. So as they get the emails that perhaps you're not getting, they go post them in those groups. Or if they get a... Um, you know, they get you know a, a tweet or something like that. They put it out there. And, of course, at Gene's page, we're going to have the latest and all that stuff too. So it, the information, my point, is is going to be readily available to you. But don't get up in the morning and think, hey, the ball game is going to be at 6 and never look again because their chances are there's going to be some shifting around with that. Uh, I'd be fine for us playing at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever. I just want to get the game in. Uh, Mikey Tepper expected to start for Mississippi State to make his uh, first college start. He has pitched a couple times for us. Excited about him. And uh, it's going to be a Johnny Holstaff day, which is what these midweek games are for. North Alabama is absolutely dreadful. They are 1-16 on the year. And I'll run down their schedule for you here real quick uh, before we kind of move on. It is ridiculous to look how bad these guys have been. So North Al, the uh, Golden Lions, I guess is who they are. They've lost 10 games in a row. They begin the year losing to Belmont. They lose uh, four games to Stetson. They lose to Tennessee Tech, who is dreadful this year. They steal one from Arkansas Little Rock, a Friday night game. 
uh, in Florence. How about that? And then they lose the next two, 9-1-10-3. They, then they lose to UT Martin. They lose three to Liberty. They didn't score a single run against Liberty in a three-game series out there in Lynchburg. They lose to Tennessee Tech again, 18-4. to And then they lose this past weekend all three games to Bellarmine. You may recall Bellarmine split a four-game set with Eastern Michigan the weekend before they played us. And so this is a team that is not good. This is a team that has struggled to score runs. They have struggled to keep people from scoring. Uh, real quickly looking at some numbers here, they have one player that is batting above 300. One player on the entire roster, and his name is uh, Devney Daniel. Devney Daniel has played in all 17 games, leads the team with 18 hits, leads it with four doubles and a couple of home runs, uh, and four RBIs, all of those team highs. And you begin to think about that. Those are team highs on a team that's won one game. He is a six foot one, 225 junior third baseman out of Warrior, Alabama. Probably feels like the lone warrior on this team. Uh, to kind of put it in perspective here, we talked about they have one guy batting over 300. They've only got three guys batting over 200. They're batting 164 as a team. I mean, th- these guys, you could probably go out and get nine students out of the student section at Mississippi State and win this ball game. I mean, th- these are guys that are really, really struggling to do anything. Uh, on the pitching side of things, the numbers aren't any better. As a team, the ERA, 6.99. Let's let that marinate for a second there. They have allowed 16 home runs, five triples, 36 doubles. They've struck out 129 and walked 92. Awful, awful numbers. Opponents are hitting 293 against them. They're not holding runners. They're throwing 20 wild pitches, 18 hit by pitches. They've had five balks. It's just not been a good year over in Florence. And it won't be a good night tomorrow night. And unless people say, you know what, Steve, it's going to hurt us in the RPI. That's true, but we've got to get these games in. And so if we don't play them, who are we going to pick up? Not really anybody. There's not anybody out there that we're going to be able to get. Listen, I, I get it. They're a 1-16 team. We've got to get some work for some guys before we get ready to play Arkansas. So when we come back on Friday, we're going to, we're going to preview the Arkansas series. Uh, before we get – uh, out the door today I do want to take a quick look around the league you had a couple games in the uh, SEC canceled on Tuesday the Riverwalk Stadium showdown I guess is what they're calling it Auburn and South Alabama that has been postponed probably good for Auburn who is now 11 and 8 I think South Al is good enough to beat them LSU and Tulane is canceled I would like to have seen that game played to be honest with you that game was canceled as well. So, the, well, the games that were played, Southern Miss takes down Alabama in Tuscaloosa 5-4. to four. Good news there, right? I think that Southern Miss win is going to help us. We're going to beat Alabama too, but um, I think Southern Miss is going to live up to their preseason billing. Georgia, who we don't play, uh, took down Kennesaw State in 10 innings, 3-2. to two. And, it, and it's kind of a – a consistent theme with the Georgia Bulldogs. It's just they just struggle to score. They've got really good pitching. Scott Strickland always will have good pitching at Georgia. But they are really not a team that's going to put points on the board. We don't play them this year. It'd be nice to draw them in Hoover. 
Uh, Kentucky gets by Butler six to five. Uh, Nick Mangione got the Wildcats fourteen and four. They let one get away on Sunday. Should have swept Mizzou. Had the lead in the seventh and, and let it get away from them. But uh, the Wildcats thirteen hits, six runs tonight against Butler, and fourteen and four. And we'll see them next weekend. Uh, Tennessee beats up on Eastern Kentucky thirteen to five. Tennessee now eighteen and four. I'm not sure how good they are, but they're a good team. It'd be nice if they could take a game or two from some uh, teams that'll help us. South Carolina bounced back after a rough weekend with an 8-3 win over the Citadel. Mississippi State will play the Citadel the same week they play South Carolina. So we'll play the Citadel on Wednesday, have Thursday off, and then play Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, there in Columbia. Arkansas, apparently still mad after the weekend, destroys Memphis 14-1. The Tigers manage just three hits. Arkansas pound out 13. Uh, Ole Miss gets by Central Arkansas, and that, you know, to be expected, 5-2, to two, and then uh, eight hits to five over there. Ole Miss committed a couple of errors there, but uh, Ole Miss finds a way to win that one. Rice takes down Texas A&M. I'm really starting to get worried about the Aggies. You know, they got absolutely shelled last weekend by Florida. They lose the midweek game. Uh, they had won 11 in a row, and now all of a sudden they've hit a rough patch. And you knew when you get into SEC play, things are going to get a little bit tougher for them. But um, you start dropping these midweek games in addition to that. Those are the things that get you fired. I could see AM making a change at the end of the year. I, I mean, I really could. Vanderbilt gets by Lipscomb 11 to 3. Yeah, and it's a, people always talk about, you know, Steve, you know, State plays, uh, you know, these SWAC schools and everything else. Let's go look at Vandy's non-conference schedule and get back to me. Yeah, they don't play anybody better than us. All right, so that's a look around the league. And um, Friday we'll preview the league and kind of look at see who's doing what and who's going where. It's not separation Saturday just yet, if you know what I'm saying. You know, but I think after this weekend we'll kind of have an idea of who's really bad. I think there'll still be a lot of teams that are – pretty good and some that are really good but I think after this weekend we're going to see that some of these teams that are going to struggle most of the year will struggle there's not a lot of teams that can turn it around like state did in 2018 you get five six games out of first after a couple weekends uh, you're going to have to struggle to get to Hoover it's as simple as that so we'll see how things progress but uh, again I love this time of year I know you guys do as well excited to get back out to the ballpark on Wednesday Ready to see the Bulldogs play again. As soon as we get done, I'm ready to go. You know, I, I joke with somebody over the weekend, uh, I guess on Monday. Again, the, the week's getting by, getting away from me. But um, this time of year, I could live on the road. I absolutely could. Because as soon as the Bulldogs get done, you, know, you get back to the hotel, you get your story written, you grab something to eat, you kind of get caught up on your rest. I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to for the That's the best thing about baseball It's like, you play sometimes, you know, four and five days a week. And so it's easy to keep your interest. You know, football is one of those things we play on Saturday and we spend the whole week wishing it was Saturday. I mean, like planning our trip back down here. But you know what, man, if I didn't have to come home, I wouldn't. I, I honestly wouldn't. I would live off, a, live off a debit card, live in hotels. I'd be just as happy to do that and go to Cracker Barrel every day and, um, you know, just stay out on the road. I mean, it just, it just simply wouldn't bother me especially during baseball season. It's so great to be able to get out and go watch the Bulldogs play, and sometimes you got to come home and get the mail and pay bills. But uh, 
road baseball. That's the thing. When I did it a couple of years ago, I didn't realize how much fun I was going to have. I had done a couple of road series before, but I really committed myself the year that Jake was chasing the record in 19, that as long as Jake was chasing something and the team was chasing something, I was going to stay out on the road with him. And uh, when the year was over, I told the people that I loved the most, I said, you know what, this has been the most fun that I've had outside of watching my own kid play. You know, the, probably the funnest spring and summer I ever had was 2013 when Ani was graduating. Of course, State was going to Omaha, and Ani was playing for the Mississippi Stars and also playing in the Cotton States League, and he was getting ready to go play, you know, college baseball. And so that was probably the funnest summer I ever had. But number two was 2019. I got a chance to go to Omaha, watch the Bulldogs play, and, and I'd never been to Omaha before. And I just thought, why would I deny myself this joy? I mean, the, the joy of being out there on the road and covering the team and, and bringing our story home to you guys and seeing it all firsthand. I know they've made it a lot easier this year with all the virtual stuff and all these games are streamed, but there's nothing like being there. And uh, I commend Mississippi State, too, for not doing the post-game Zoom because I think the people that make the commitment to actually go to the games should have the opportunity to have some exclusive content. And so – uh, I appreciate that, and uh, I commend them for that decision, and we're going to do our best to get out there and cover every game. Uh, it's important. It's important because we are a baseball school. If you haven't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com, and you can get personalized copies of Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Flim Flam. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you should be, there's a bunch of those shirts popping up on Sundays at Duty Noble Field, people wearing their black and white Stark Villain shirts, and thank you for doing that. If you want one of those, Go to StarkVillains.com, and you can order it today. I talked to Jason earlier in the week. I know some people had ordered. They had run out of shirts, and so they had to get some more shirts in. So uh, expect to see more of the Stark Villain shirts, and thank you guys so much for wearing them. I love the title of that book. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a Stark Villain shirt right now. And so look forward to uh, seeing more of you guys out there and about. And listen, ticket the ticket situation is better. And it seems like no matter what we do or how many more tickets that they make available, people are still griping about it. Uh, listen, I need tickets. <laughs> I, I, got, I'm t- I got family coming in, and I need four tickets for the grandstand this weekend. My grandbaby's coming to town. Uh, she's 2-1 and one as a Bulldog fan. She went to Arlington and watched us win. And so I think she's a good luck charm. So I got to get her and uh, her family into the grandstand this weekend. So if you got tickets, let me know. I'll pay you for them. I don't expect you to give me anything. I'll pay you for them. I just need to be able to get that family in here. I know a lot of you guys are kind of like me, and the people are, I got, I've had no less than two dozen people reach out to me and say, Steve, I need this, need that. I need a couple tickets for the weekend. If you are a Bulldog fan that has tickets and you are not going to be able to make the game, please, please, please get those tickets in the hand of Bulldog fans. There are plenty of people out there looking for those tickets that will pay you for them. And let's listen, let's not be price gougers either. It's ridiculous. I see some of these prices on StubHub are ridiculous. But we need a packed house this weekend as much as we can get in there. It's a big weekend for Mississippi State. And uh, listen, last two times Arkansas has come in here, we've swept them. And so wouldn't it be great to do that then? Yeah, that's the thing. You win this series against Arkansas, it's a good chance you're number one in the country next week. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.